What's going on, everybody? This is AJ Capasso here from Coven or from Talking with the Source. I'm here with my my host, Jonathan Keyworth of JK47 Paranormal Investigations. What is up, my brother? What's going on, dude? Fabulous Sunday to you. <laughs> yeah, man. I tell you what, I'm I'm like so used to the Sunday right now, relaxing that I almost said the wrong thing in the beginning. <laughs> but real quick before we begin. Um, we are live on Parapost Network. If you have a vodcast that you want to promote um, for free and get the exposure you deserve with a, with a bunch of group of podcasts, um, head over to Parapost Network Central on Facebook. Here is the uh, thing. We are back, and uh, basically, we are live on Parapost Network Central on Paralinks Plus. Um, so we just want to say a shout out to them. And um, if you guys weren't here for the last time that we had this uh, skull experiment up, a little bit background of what you're about to see is some footage from the skull experiment that was from England. That four mediums, or I believe a certain amount of mediums, got together for about a year. Uh, years i think it was four or five of them yeah four yeah. or five of them got together and they did this experiment where they channeled their spirit guides and they actually manifested in the room and you'll see evidence of it it's absolutely amazing it's one of the best uh experiments ever as well as seeing marcello bacci who used a shortwave radio to connect with spirit the most clear communication known to man um to this day um so you know what's well, dude, real quick, I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I, you know what's cool is how how their their spirit guides became like this this group, and that's what Stevo does. You know, he has a group of of spirits, and and they I forgot the name that they called themselves, but it, that's what Stevo does as well. Yeah, and basically, like the the evidence they were catching throughout this experiment. Over the years in the 90s has been absolutely crazy. And not a lot of people have paid attention to it because it was so long ago. But you know what? We'll share some of it right now. This is going to be the um, part, two. part two of what we showed. So let me uh, just click the play button. And mirrors came from their spirit communicators. They were told to set up a video camera in the dark cellar aim it at a pair of mirrors so that it could only film its own viewfinder. While it was recording, nothing unusual was seen. But when the tape was played back, these remarkable pictures appeared. We had images on the video, sometimes of what looked like um, a tunnel of light. A 
It's so crazy. Other times, spirit faces were coming towards us. I should try that, dude. Sometimes what appeared to be a doorway moving. Skeptics claim these images were created by video feedback, occurring when a camera records its own output. But scientists have ruled this out. Video feedback doesn't produce this kind of result. As to what these extraordinary pictures represent, we can only guess, since their meaning was never explained to the Skoll group. This video, also totally unexplained, appears to be a ghostly face with moving eyes. <laughs> so Later, a few video experiments were attempted in full light. Again, nothing unusual was seen during the recording. However, on playback, this unworldly figure appeared. Do you think digital cameras can get that, or do you think possible for the to have faked well, these images? That's the thing. Not according to the investigator they who monitored these from, experiments. They were getting it from, like, regular back in the '90s cameras. So for them to get this type of evidence was pretty crazy. Hey, what's up, Nando? So for what's them, up, to Nando, this this type of evidence was amazing to get in the '90s because they were doing it with you know film. You know what I mean? Well, that was their highest technology then. Was yep. the the one twenty millimeter camera exactly? Swiss lawyer and businessman, Dr. Hans Scher. There's absolutely no possibility that this film could have been prepared before because yeah, I created one of the video films which was in its original packaging, which I opened. I took the film out, I signed the film, and I put it personally in the video camera. He Dude, I'm gonna try inserted that. it into the camera. We never touched at any stage the camera or the film. When we played the, the film, it showed at the beginning a number of bubbles of various colors. But there was one particular bubble on there in which the face of a person appeared, and it was a man with spectacles. Although Dr. Scher did not recognize this face, the Skoll group thought it might have belonged to someone who was trying to communicate with him from the afterlife. Are you sick of having issues with your webinars, wasting tons oh, of time of on troubleshooting with oh, attendees? No. If so, you need StreamYard. <laughs> uh, I have heard of the electronic I think is actually so one Chris. of the most disturbing and unnerving aspects of the notion of there being an afterlife. Attempting to capture spirit voices via technical devices like radios and tape recorders has a long tradition that goes back to the last century. Today, there are tens of thousands of people around the world who say they have captured the voices of the dead on simple tape recorders. I feel spirit. I feel spirit. 
This is known as the electronic voice phenomena, or EVP, and was recently popularized in the Hollywood blockbuster, White Noise. I like that movie. Bacon, baby. Despite the Hollywood treatment, EVP has been the focus of serious scientific investigation. One of the leading researchers is Alexander McRae, an electronics engineer who has worked on communication systems for the space shuttle. He has been investigating EVP for decades. If somebody came up to me in the street and said, there's nothing paranormal about EVP, I would say, well, I've done at least 20 years and hundreds of experiments and I know that it is a paranormal effect. Now, how many experiments have you done? But skeptics insist that EVP is nothing more than the random pickup of broadcast signals like radio and TV. To test this theory, McRae tried to obtain EVP inside a laboratory that was fully shielded against radio and sound waves. This meant it was impossible to pick up any stray broadcast signals. So inside the laboratory, you couldn't pick up anything. But yet the device still produced voices. Although this audio sample is hard to understand, the very fact it was recorded defies all known laws of science. One experimenter of EVP is Vicky Talbot, who lost her son Braden in a boating accident in 2001. Okay, I'm coming down into Wildcat Cove right now, which is the cove that my son departed from and did not return. Ever since then, she says she can record and recognize his voice using this digital recorder. Well, that's Braden. What has really convinced me is the way he speaks the stress, the intonation. Sometimes he sounds exactly as he did in life. He will use certain phrases that we used to use. He will say certain things that will identify himself as the person that he was in life. I am convinced, personally, that I am communicating with my son. Like visitors to school and to EVP practitioners find comfort in the belief that they can still communicate with love. So just to let you guys know, that that's what I do. Like, if, if you guys want a reading, I can do that. Um, I've done it for, for many people, like, like Susan and... You know, I, I I don't wish to to keep doing it for you as much as I want to, but I want you guys to realize that that this power, this connection is within you. You just have to believe in your heart and mind when you're doing these sessions to to bring spirit to you. And it, it's just amazing. It truly Sorry, is. Sorry, man. Yeah. No, no, it truly is. And everybody can do this. And I don't think people really realize that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's all in you. You got to believe in yourself, you, in your heart and mind. Once those are aligned, you're going to get the the crazy responses. Loved ones. But even this conviction can't make up for the unbearable burden of losing a child. 
these just make me want to cry just looking at him. He'll just never be this age again or do that again. What matters is the love that you have for your family. That's what really matters and not to screw it up and to remember they can be gone in a flash. You know, these other people, I feel so sorry for them because they have no way of communicating with those that they have lost. And they go around thinking, if only, if only, if only. Yeah, if only. I don't have to think that. Nobody does. That's a good thing. And see, technology is so advanced now. Although EVP provides some comfort to the bereaved, practitioners say that the voices are often unclear, always one way, and frustratingly short. The ancient Egyptians understood that they could use sound to reduce their weight. They should pay us. (laughs) But see, you see how they just said, how science just said, you know, it's always short and they're very unclear and all this type of stuff. That's not true because there's very clear EVPs out there. That yeah, are very- it, it, and- as technology advances, it, it's getting clearer and clearer. People you know, are- with the denoise and stuff, yeah. Well, people are using the Panasonic DR60 in this film, and that's a very uh, controversial recorder because even though it picks up easier EVPs, because of something that's broken inside of it, it also produces terrible sounding EVPs. So sometimes very good ones, but most of the time not very clear ones. So that's why they're going off of that, which I don't feel is a smart thing because this is an older video. They're doing that. But nowadays, you know, there's we're getting clearer and clearer EVPs. And how do you explain that with science, you know? So, so I, if anybody out there has a DR60 with some EVPs, send them to me. I want to put them through the the technology that we have now. I would here's, love this. Here's the problem: the the technology of the Panasonic VR60. You can't hook it up to a computer, so you'd have to you'd have to re-record it onto a computer and then send it, which makes it even more harder to to pick out the noise, like pick out the sentences and st- type of stuff. So that's the hardest part about that technology. Well, I'd love to see the comparison. Yeah, you know what I mean. One way that we also communicated with spirit, and which was a very effective way, um, was by use of an ordinary, very cheap tape recorder whose amplifiers were used by the spirit team to carry on a two-way conversation with us. We inspected this machine and found it was completely normal. Earlier, its built-in microphone had been removed to eliminate the possibility of recording anything. When the machine, which contained a blank cassette, was activated, Witnesses were astonished when they heard this voice asking them a question. They removed the microphone. How could they hear the shooting voice? The skull group say that another camera suggested ways. No. That's the thing. The question is, is that that was recorded and then played back for everyone yeah. to hear. 
So yeah, the question but... is that spirit, they're not using a microphone. They're using energy and some frequency to change and manipulate these things for us to understand them, which I find That's... absolutely amazing because that was so clear. Yeah, that was real clear with no microphone. <laughs> with a cheap, with a cheap uh, digital recorder. No, that was with cassette. They just That's said it me. was a cassette. A yeah. cassette recorder, a cassette recorder, whatever, yeah. same thing. These of improving their experiments. For example, they told Professor Ellison, one of the SPR scientists, how to build a device for boosting communications via the tape recorder. Yeah, that's correct, Chris. The mic but this information needed. arrived in a very strange way. These images appeared after an unexposed film locked in the security box was later processed by the scientists. The scientists speculated about who was providing this technical information. Then initials at the end of the film seemed to have solved this mystery. I wrote to the uh, Edison Memorial people in America and they sent me a copy of one of his letters which contained his initials which looked almost identical to the signature on this film. What? This matching set of initials convinced the researchers it was Thomas Edison providing this information. Not only was Edison the... Now, Edison was, right before he died, was making a... Uh, he was in a race with uh, Nikola Tesla and other inventors to ghost make phone. Back, yeah, a ghost phone. So it's amazing that he might have came back to tell them to use germanium and to use this device that he created. I have some, dude. It's most famous. I know. I know. I use it with all my sessions. I, I, I bought it online. Uh, it's Element 32, geranium. That's what they built this out of. That, that's That's awesome. Right. It's inventor. He also had an enormous interest in the possibility of an afterlife. His intention to build a machine that could communicate with the dead made headlines around the world, but he died before being able to build it. Is it possible that through the Skull Group, he finally achieved this aim? What if My that's understanding why he was of life under de after death right? is what we've done here, the way we've affected people about us and things that we do, and it lives on through them. What if I told you that you can use good old motion to improve your videos right? fast? For example, you can create a professional opener just like. Spirit voices speaking through the mediums. Spirit communication written on sealed film in locked boxes. All these incredible phenomena. But could the scientists have been tricked? Skeptics are often unaware of the amount of experience and the amount of knowledge that goes into investigations of this kind. Between the three investigators, you could say we'd had 50 years and more. We know all the tricks. I don't see how it could be faked. It's impossible. Nevertheless, was it possible for the Skoll Group to have perpetrated a massive hoax? These things are so extraordinary that when one tells them to people who've not had the experiences themselves, they think oh, it must be trickery. And the challenge then always is, okay, you duplicate it. 
But so far, no one has been able to do this. Nevertheless, critics still claim that the events at Skoll were produced by the kinds of conjuring tricks used by stage magicians and entertainers. That you find them, you find them in this manner, like this, you see. Because professional magicians learn all the skills of illusion and misdirection. I'm not going to show you how it's done because if I showed you how it was done, you'd tell everybody else. They are also well qualified to detect this type of fraud. My presto. With that in mind, James Webster was invited to scrutinize a number of Skoll sessions. Webster is a member of the Magic Circle in Britain and has been a professional magician for over 40 years. Well, I had an opportunity to view the cellar. I could see no magic props or anything which made me feel inclined to think there was any hoaxing or, or trickery. But could he replicate the events at school? I could not do it myself as a professional magician. I don't believe in any magician that uh, I knew could do even the lighting, let alone the other phenomena that I witnessed. Anyone Dude, I want one of those cameras. I'm going to point it while I do a session. Doing this here for nothing. And they could be earning <laughs> a million dollars out there on the stage. In 1999, after an exhaustive two-year investigation, the investigators published their conclusions in the SPR's official proceedings. They were looking for evidence of a hoax. They sifted evidence for signs of fakery. But did they find it? If you take all the phenomena within the whole of the Skoll experiment over two years while we were there, I would say that the possibility of fraud and faking was nil. Although the Skoll report includes theoretical discussions about how individual phenomena might have been faked, the chief investigators concluded that events at Skoll cannot be explained either by known scientific laws or by trickery. But psychology professor Chris French, the co-editor of Skeptic magazine, remains unconvinced. There's lots of claimed evidence for life after death coming from lots of different sources. The debate should be about the quality of the evidence. At the moment, on the basis of the available evidence, I'm not at all convinced that there is such a thing as life after death. I think the skeptics regard the possibility of the survival of human consciousness as inherently so impossible that anyone must be rather crazy to believe it. But when you look at the evidence, you have to ask yourself whether you'd be even more crazy not to believe it or to find some alternative explanation which makes any sort of sense. And I haven't found one. When we die, we go into another world. A lot of worlds. 3,665 30, worlds. Because uh, I, I read it in the Bible. News of the amazing events at Skoll spread around the world. In 1997, 
they were invited to hold sessions in four European countries and the United States. Some of the most successful sessions occurred in the Los Angeles home of Brian Hurst. We wanted to see whether it could also take place so many thousands of miles away from Skoll here in Southern California. Hurst's converted garage was the venue for eight sessions. As many as 30 people attended each one. Oh, hi! Hello, Cynthia. Hi, nice how are you? you? Great. Before each session, investigators carefully inspected the room. Many people went in at different times before the sessions, and there was no, no paraphernalia, there was nothing hidden there at all. Despite being interviewed a decade after the Skoll experiment, these witnesses are still profoundly moved by what they saw. There was so much phenomena going on, it was really overwhelming. As with most sessions, visitors began by sitting quietly in total darkness. Then they started hearing the voices of the spirit team speaking through the mediums. Be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Marie. Marie. Then the darkened room burst into life. Isn't that cool? Look at that. Wow. Wow. Awesome. Like a firefly. Quite quiet work. And then it would go up to the rafters. The garage and come right. down and thunk hard like a big rock hitting the table and then disappear. As well as these amazing balls of light, furniture in the room began to move. We had a, a table in the center of the room that had crystals on it. It's moving. The table is indeed levitating. The table levitated, was turned on its side, and began to spin very rapidly. The crystals never fell off. Even Why? if on the table, it would have been like, impossible to have turned the table sideways and rotated it with the speed at which it rotated. And we could see this because there were luminescent strips on the table. And it began to spin around actually so rapidly it almost looked like a pinwheel. Wow. Can you imagine seeing that? As well as familiar spirit <laughs> communities. I would be so excited, dude. <laughs> they belong to dead relatives also attempted to communicate. I really do feel that um, my dad came and he was the one who put his hands on my shoulders. Oh. Um, the way we were situated in the room, my chair was right up against a wall and there was no way another person could be behind me. Oh, did you see it? It gave the this punch symbol. <laughs> right? You're not ready for it. Oh, you looked. You didn't get punched by spirit. Then what? another hand appeared in front of them. But who did it belong to? There was a particular communicator called Reg Lawrence, who was an engineer in his lifetime and who became very expert at producing voices from midair. Oh, Hello, Reg. Hello, Brad. Very nice of you to have us here. Like just touch my hand. Oh, yes. Oh, 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 yes. oh, he's stroking it. It's slightly cold, but it's flesh. He's shaking my hand. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Rich, you, you've made my ear. You've made mine. <laughs> As usual, Lawrence did not communicate through the mediums. Instead, the group could hear his voice projected from different parts of the room. Some of the voices were moving around the room, 
even a high up in the rafter area that uh, somebody would have had to climb up on a ladder to, to get up there and there's no way that that was happening. The spirit team also came to be regarded as healers by the participants. Has it gone inside you, that light? It's in my chest right now. So it's right there on my heart and I have a little bit of a heart problem. I was diagnosed with cancer and a very fast moving dangerous cancer. I sat with school and probably two to three weeks later, I had biopsies again, and they came back completely negative. <laughs> All of I the visitors you. attending the You're LA session kids, said man, the experience changed their lives forever. You're right. We've asked so many times, dude. We've asked that question like eight times, and it's always come back the same. Yeah. Ever. When you walk out of that room, you definitely feel like you've been exposed to something very extraordinary. We actually saw the spirits. And that's got to be positive evidence for survival. We do live on after death. They certainly proved that to us that night. Being survived in Auschwitz, and also my parents were killed in Auschwitz, including my 11-year-old brother, who was killed on arrival, with my parents. And I just cannot accept it that they, that should be the end of them. Previously, we have shown how experiments at Skoll and with Bachi provide powerful evidence for life after death. But some researchers think there may be another possible explanation. Could some of the remarkable events shown in this film be the result of human paranormal abilities like psychokinesis, the claimed ability of the mind to directly affect matter? There's an enormous amount of evidence for the existence of psychokinesis. In the laboratory, we're talking mainly about the evidence of human consciousness on random number generators and very small events that can be totally controlled there is clear evidence that people can affect things. One of the most famous practitioners of psychokinesis, or PK. Yeah, that was done on a uh, 35 millimeter film that they locked in the box and they Kalagina developed was able after. to demonstrate her abilities under strictly controlled conditions in front of a team of scientists. Researchers who investigated her were convinced she was able to do this solely by the power of her mind. So could the Skull Group and their visitors unwittingly have created some or all of the phenomena using mind over matter? As an explanation, although it's not more than just simply a label to it, this is psychokinesis in physical mediumship. Whether it is a spirit working through someone, a spirit acting directly on an object, or the medium's mind causing the things to move. Say there were real mind over matter effects going on as opposed Very to conjuring tricks. Um, then how do we know they were coming from the minds of the disembodied people rather than from the minds of the mediums who were sitting in the room? There is no definitive answer to this question. But the theory that these phenomena were due solely to psychokinesis from the living seems improbable, since PK produced in laboratories tends to be weak. 
Therefore, mind over matter from the living is unlikely to explain the huge range of phenomena featured in this film. When did you live on the Earth? Oh, a long time ago now. 19th century? Yes. We simply have a number of clues of information which was extremely unlikely to have derived from the subconscious mind or the conscious mind of the medium. Uh, and the more impressive those are, the less likely it is that you can say that this is an aspect of mediumship. And the more likely it is, it's an aspect of discarnate communication. Previously, we traveled with the Skoll Group to Italy, where they first met with Marcello Bacci. They say they were able to talk to the spirits via his radio. Come on, who's this? Come on, I'm here. But when the Skoll Group visited Bacci in a later session, he was having problems. For months, Hundreds of people who came from around the world in the hope of hearing their dead loved ones were bitterly disappointed. All they heard was static. Bachi was depressed. He feared he had lost his unique talent. Dude, and that that depression is what lowered his frequency, dude. He, I, I, I don't think he... I think once that happened, he was so embarrassed that that opened up a whole nother door and it just just lowered his frequency you know what i mean yeah. he just he he did. Do it. dude because that's happened to me a number of times when i've gone live like i've had shitty friggin sessions man yeah. and, and, and it was because something happened that that triggered something and it brought that energy down yeah it blocks your connection yeah our cameras rolled in an interview with bachi the radio which had been silent for so long, burst into life. Chiudete tutto! And they're speaking in Italian, his native language. Bacci's drought was over. When the radio voice stopped, there was celebration. Bacci felt he'd regained his ability to communicate with the spirits. But then joy turned to disappointment as he thought he had failed to record the voice. Madonna, non è partito. No. Oh. No. That doubt. No, era partito, lo spento io. Ah. <laughs> yeah, but I tell you what, watch. Once the recording was transcribed, Bacci told us the voice belonged to a spirit called Gregorio, a Catholic friar who had died many years ago. Later, independent researcher Dr. Toriello read the last part of this ghostly message. Man, he passed his time just deceiving himself, okay? But when 
all of you, you will be here where we are, okay? Then you will find answer to all your questions. I'm sorry, I cannot say more. Recordings just got better. Hey, it's Dana from StreamYard. I'm so excited to announce that local recordings are do look down on our friends and loved ones after we die until such time as we move on uh, to some other dimension. I think uh, you can think what you like, really. Despite the evidence from Skoll and Batchy, most scientists still refuse to even consider the possibility that consciousness might survive death. Dr. Rupert Sheldrake, the internationally renowned biologist and skull investigator, offers an explanation. There's a dominant materialism in science that grew up in the 19th century. It's become part of the culture of science, but so I believe it's really a dogmatic communicates in a language a that we understand. Theory. What this means you know, is that scientists have become completely focused. Yeah, to answer your question, I believe that it doesn't matter where we are in the world. I believe that spirit can understand us and they will speak in the language that we need to hear them and they, that we understand because we're in there. You got to realize, Chris, is that in, that the words we speak is all all man-made. It's it's all made in this physical realm. That's how spirits are able to know the different communication because they're able to tap into your energy and your physical being to make you understand what they're saying. So, you know, if, if say say some guy in China wanted to talk to my brother, my brother would speak Chinese to him because it's that connection between spirit and mind on the things they can both measure and replicate in labs. Within science, based on a materialist point of view, the mind is the brain. So anything that suggests the mind might be more than the brain goes against the theory. Whatever you understand, whatever the physical being asking the question. Another prominent scientist not convinced that consciousness is solely the result of brain activity is Dr. Charles Tart. But that's just a small part of the spectrum. Dr. Tart is Emeritus Professor of Psychology at the University of California and a leading researcher into the evidence for life after death. The idea that survival of bodily death is impossible and that we're nothing but our brains and bodies is really a function of an outmoded view in science, a Newtonian worldview. Now, the Newtonian worldview works very well for everyday events. But one of the most interesting things about modern science, especially when you look at stuff like quantum theory, is that the world is far more mysterious than we think. And we now have experimental evidence of what Einstein called spooky action at a distance, that we can instantaneously affect something in a distant part of the universe. That's really wild. If consciousness has any of the qualities of this quantum level of existence, then phenomena like survival of bodily death are probably not so mysterious after all.
But could quantum theory explain one of the most shocking experiments conducted at Skoll? This particular experiment was perhaps the most important experiment of the whole series. Previously, we showed how visitors reported seeing these balls of light appear before them. On this occasion, one of them flew inside a large quartz crystal. The crystal then levitated. You could see it glowing and then descended into a, a Pyrex bowl. Then Arthur Ellison was invited to pick it up. He picked it up and satisfied himself that it was there and it was glowing and he put it down again. He was asked right away to pick it up again. He tried to and his fingers closed right over it. It had dematerialized. Then he was asked to pick it up again and it rematerialized in his hand. Now this dumbfounded him. This is what finally convinced him that this was real because it couldn't have been faked in any way. And he had his, his head right over the top of the bowl in order to ensure that no hand or no instrument could interfere with it. Of course, we were totally amazed by this. Things do not materialize and dematerialize. This is against all the laws of nature. We are trained scientists, of course. We know how the world behaves, and it doesn't behave like that. Well, whether we really think what we're experiencing. But what does this remarkable demonstration tell us about what might happen after death? The spirit team told us that the experiment with the crystal in the bowl gave a good example the spirit team, that's what they what call it when we die in that the essence of the crystal remained even when the physical part of the crystal had been removed our bodies represent the physical part but the essence of ourselves remains the same this if you like can be termed the soul in the possibility of life after death, what do I think would happen after? I don't know. I just don't know, do you? <laughs>well i don't particularly want to have anything other than pure death and i would rather not believe in survival but i find it impossible to be intellectually honest and not believe in survival tragically during the production of this film montague keen died these are those rhombohedron crystals in your pineal gland. When those crystals become electrically activated, all of a sudden they start calling energy back to them and they begin to build their own electromagnetic. Damn commercials. But this gave us the opportunity of testing whether or not he actually got his wish for oblivion. This came in the form of Alison Dubois. Dubois has become one of the most famous mediums in the world after her abilities were dramatized in the hit TV show, Medium. When things come through that strong, you. I can't get We visited the University of Arizona where scientists were testing the abilities of America's top mediums. Here we challenged Alison Dubois to contact the spirit of Montague Keene. It's Thank you, Pam. She was able to conduct her mediumship in full light in front of the camera with two researchers seated behind 
asking questions. Do you have any idea who this person is? Dubois wasn't given any information about Keen. The only thing she was told was the first name of Keen's widow, Veronica. The fact that he gets to still be here around the people he loves is um, huge to him. Although many of Dubois' statements were vague, some were astonishingly accurate. He went down at a podium or... No. No. <laughs> um, he's showing a man falling at the podium, like, like, and falls, and he goes down at the podium. Okay. Uh, this is important. So like an assembly. On the night of his death, Keane was taking part in a debate at the Royal Society of Arts in London. Wow. While defending his position, his voice faltered mid-sentence, and he died. Take a rest. Uh, crazy. No, that, I, I don't even know what it means. I mean, he's making me feel like either he had a heart attack or his breath was taken from him, but he's showing him knees buckling and going down. Is there a doctor in the house? People jumping up, like everybody rising. Um, he goes down and they go up. Right. Um, also, there would have been like a banner announcement or a banner hanging of, of what this conference was or whatever it was. He's kind of laughing and he's like, way to go out, you know, like way to leave this world, you know, right there and then. Dubois stated that Keane is now as interested in communicating with the living as he once was in talking to the dead. To try and understand better, like to understand the other side, what you guys are seeing that's right and what's not right. And I'm trying to, try to like talk trying to him, to dude. Clear. <laughs> I do believe in an afterlife. Um, I'm not sure what that life will look like uh, if we just go back into the source. But uh, I just kind of live my life like uh, we'll see when we get there. Chris agrees. <laughs> Although some researchers continue to question whether the experiments featured in this film represent convincing evidence for an afterlife, for the leading investigators and participants, there is little doubt it does. We actually Up saw the, the spirits. <laughs> Emily, when did you live on the earth? Oh, a long time ago now. 19th century? Yes. we were pushing the barriers further than ever been pushed before and i think we just got to the stage where at that time we couldn't go any further in 1998 after five years and 500 sessions the skull experiment finally came to an end the skull experiment may be over but today in italy grieving parents continue to report hearing the voices of their dead children on Bachi's radio. And Vicky Talbot says she continues to receive the voice of her deceased son, Braden, via EVP. But the debate about the authenticity and significance of this evidence continues to rage. Now, according to science, when 
you physically die and when your brain stops functioning, that is it. That is the end. The experiences that I've had have convinced me that it is very difficult to explain. Yeah, essentially a portal. Frequency and energy. You're not going to win everybody. I mean, you're, you're not going to be able to ever have everybody believe that there's another side. That's just not going to happen. I hope the significance of those experiments will literally be to make people think, to stop and think look at their own lives, to look at where they're going, perhaps to be better people. That was amazing, dude. That was so amazing, dude. I'm glad we got a chance to finish that. Exactly. And what it brings up is a lot of questions and a lot of answers. Like, you know, there's you figure all these mediums got together and they were able to get spirit to do such amazing things and they allowed them to record it, um, which I thought was absolutely amazing. And then getting scientists involved and having scientists, you know, show the evidence um, and show that, you know, they didn't mess with it at all. It's just crazy. Yes, really true. <laughs> being ass and yeah, I've run into a few. They they called me things. <laughs> totally true. Totally true. Yeah. AJ got called a name in the, his his graveyard. <laughs> yeah, I got called an ass crack, so I totally get it. But if you guys want to check out that that full documentary again, just type in the skull experiment. It's called the Afterlife Investigations. Um, you'll be able to check it out with Marcello Bacci, who does a lot of work. Marcello Bacci recently passed away, but his family is still doing his work till this day in Italy. And um, it's absolutely amazing, his work and his documentary. So check it out um, on YouTube. But thank you guys for watching it with us. But do you have anything else you want to say, man? No, I'm just uh, I'm real excited. Uh, uh, Spirit guided me today. Um, to find the old sheriff of the cold case I'm working on. So I'm going to be reaching out to him to see if any of this makes sense or if he has any questions that I should ask to kind of prove his because uh, his skepticism because uh, I find that, that people aren't in, on the initial conversation. They're not accepting of it, like just like in the school experiment. Yeah. So if he had questions, if I could get the answer to prove that that would help them out you know it's all about helping out spirit and uh that's that's what i'm gonna do so yeah well yeah i would love to, aj and me to create an experiment like this you know <laughs> that would be cool if he's in connecticut and i'm here and we can do this that that would be cool man yeah no definitely that would be absolutely something awesome to do for sure I mean, we're hopefully working towards it. I mean, with what we're doing now and how we can teach people to, you know, get their connection um, down and to use these, you know, spirit devices is something that is very big to us. So who knows? Maybe it'll expand and maybe spirit will do something amazing along those lines, just like they did for Skull Experiment. Dude, so, I want to get one of those old cameras. I have to try that out to see if anything would show up. Like, just do it live. Like, hold the camera. People see me unwrapping the tape, put it in there, and they can see me putting it on the thing and hitting record. 
that'd be crazy, dude. I'd love to see if I get anything. Yeah. It was absolutely amazing to see that. I mean, if, if spirits are portals, I mean, they definitely caught something, you know? Yeah. So, but anyway, so thank you guys <laughs> so much for watching. My name's AJ Capasso yeah. of Talking with the Source. I'm with Jonathan Keyworth of JK47 Paranormal Investigations. Real quick, shout out your, your podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, so Tuesdays at 12 p.m. Uh, Mountain Time, so 2 p.m. Eastern, um, I do targeting with the JK47, and I work on Cold Cases Live, so I do live sessions, and then I'll review it, and I'll put the clips in. Uh, if you guys go to my YouTube or my Facebook page, uh, even my TikTok, you can you can see uh, what we've been working on. Um, so this next session will be session five for the Jameson family. Um, they're a family that went missing in 2009, and they were found, their bones and uh, what was left over was found uh, four years later by some hunters. So check it out, guys. It's, it's fun. Awesome. Well, and awesome. Check out our new True Crime podcast on uh, Facebook. It is airing tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Hit Time. Hit me up in the messenger. Leave a comment of the cold case you want. <laughs> yeah, contact J JK, and uh, he'll definitely help you out. So, But thank you guys so much for watching. This has been another episode of Talking with the Source. Till next time, thank you so much. This is AJ Love and Light, guys. Love and Light. <laughs>